It's time to unleash the expert. What is he an expert on? Relationships, sex, spirituality, and rediscovering yourself beyond the trauma. Get ready to unleash more purpose, passion, and pleasure in your life. Here's the expert himself, Mr. Brandon Patrick. All right, you guys, welcome back to part two um, of the Brandon Patrick Show with Valerie Hamaker. We are talking about God. So, Valerie, welcome back. Hi, it's good to be here. <laughs> um, God, we had such a good discussion um, before about the nature of God, and um, I think we got kind of deep and <laughs> um, philosophical. And I think if you can understand a lot of the philosophies we talked about, then it's pretty amazing. And I was just telling Valerie, um, it's awesome when I have a breakthrough talking to a guest on a podcast. <clears throat> and um, I definitely did as we were talking, Valerie. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. I I, I read a lot and I feel like I am lucky enough to, uh, well, I'm, I'm fascinated with this topic. And I think there's some really good corrective theology out there on God right now. And so yeah. I think that's if... Um, one thing I will say is that uh, speaking of just to circle, just to say a little tiny bit about last episode, just in case you didn't listen to it, we talked a little bit about maybe changing our languaging from um, Jesus as our savior and us needing to be saved and transitioning that over to Jesus as our healer and us as wounded. And mm -hmm. that languaging has drastically shifted in the last 10 years, even here in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, I think due in large part to the works of uh, Terrell and Fiona Givens and the books that they have written about the nature of God. And so, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, so it's pretty, you know, there is, there is change in the air. I think we are getting a little bit closer to a better, um, a, 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 a more whole and healthy understanding of God as people do um, read good theology like that. I actually think things are getting better, Valerie. I, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times we're taught that things are getting worse and worse and the world's going to hell in mm -hmm. a handbasket. And I think uh, in a lot of ways, things are improving. And so one thing I do want to say is that Valerie nor I uh, profess to be like prophets and, and, <laughs> and know exactly the nature of God. And um, we, we like to explore things. We like to talk about things, dissect things. And we are in no way telling you to come follow our religion or anything <laughs> like that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think but, I think one thing that you and I have in common, Brandon, which is one of the reasons why we get along so well and enjoy talking to one another, is because we have um, we spend a lot of hours with people who are in suffering around yes issues that are fundamental to how they see themselves and how they see themselves in the context of a higher power. And so I think that might be why you and I find this subject so important, and we have a lot of passion in. Speculative theology at best, right? But I think yes. speculative theology is so important because what we see is what um, sometimes the more formalized theology does on the ground to the people that we love. Yep. We see it come out in the wash. So both yep. Valerie and I are therapists that have worked a lot with LDS people and LDS yeah. couples and families. And we absolutely see it come out in the wash. And, uh, you know, I watch people strive for their okayness with God. Um, uh, you know, under certain constructs about what they've yeah. been taught about God and just beat their head against the wall in many ways and create all kinds of suffering. And and so I think 
to look at a different angle or to challenge certain things is helpful and good. And so, no, we're not going to ask you to come, you know, join our religion, but we don't have a church. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a church, but no interest. <laughs> but what we do, what I, what we do ask you is to be open, is to actually look at this and maybe some of the things we have to say will bother you. Um, and some of the things we have to say you will love, but be open to it. Um, <clears throat> so, Valerie, I got the first belief in God here that I believe causes some harm. And um, that is that God is an old man in a white robe. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a couple of things about this that um, that are, I think, problematic. Um, one, that God is only male. Mm. Um, God is a, this wise old male and in a white robe. So, um, Valerie, what are the, what are some of the problems with God being only male? Well, oh, how much time do we have? <laughs> I know we could do it. We could talk and talk on this one. I, it's, it's the, it's the issue of patriarchy. I mean, or this, the, the outcome of that idea is, is, has, has wounded our world and has wounded humanity for the better part of, I think, 5,000 years is, is what I picked up on in my last listening or my last reading, meaning that this construct as God, of God as male is, um, it's, it's, we have created that. It didn't used to be that way, but before the time of, you know, roughly around the time of Abraham, of the Old Testament, uh, there was so much evidence that a feminine divine was uh, was a big part of the worship of of people early on in the history mm-hmm. of our world, and eventually, slowly, she uh, was disrespected, and then she has all but disappeared in favor of a male god. And what came of that, of course, was you know heavily patriarchal not only churches, but the world at large. And we, you know, all these thousands of years later are still suffering under um, the bondage of patriarchy. And I don't think it's actually serves anyone. It doesn't serve men or women, but it, it brings up a gross misunderstanding of the nature of God as just masculine and the characteristics of a God that is just masculine. And I can't remember, I was going to just look it up. I think it's Mary Daly is who said, if if the God is man, then man is God. And mm-hmm. the more we live under this, almost like it's become, at least for me early on in my own development, it was invisible. I didn't even understand how much it hurt me as a woman. How that trickles down to yes. you individually yes. and your marriage. And yeah, it's everywhere. It, it has such a profound impact on our ability to know who we are and see ourselves in God, especially as women. Mm-hmm. And and then you take that, you know, the step further that it has been um, formalized, the, the, the patriarchy and, you know, the, the formalized sexism that goes on right yeah. inside of our own church. <clears throat> and um, it, it, it hurts the, the nature of our development um, as human beings. It lopsides which which slow down valerie which Sorry, okay <laughs> which this formalized sexism yeah um is everywhere mm-hmm. but it's so if if you're raised in the church you don't see it or you don't know it because it's what you're used to and so it's it's just there um yeah. 
but that women are secondhand citizens in many, in many ways, um, pushed to the side, um, not heard from, um, not seen, um, in so many ways in our church. And yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's tender right now, even just this last weekend, we, we had a general conference and so much of what I've noticed, um, being talked about is of the, I don't know, what was it? 10 hours of talks. There were, there were two women that were invited to speak. And so not only are we sort of underrepresented in a, in a heavily patriarchal church in leadership callings in and of themselves, but even amongst the women that are in those callings, they're not actually being given a voice. And I think that again, it, it, it's multifaceted because for the next six months, we will be studying talks from general conference. Those who go to second hour, um, that we'll be studying men speaking about, yes, you know, the, the, it's, it's the perspectives of men, the male perspective. Yes. yes. And talking to a church that statistically speaking is more female than male. Yes. Yes. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> um, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I, I want to share with you just a couple experiences I've had in the, in the last couple of weeks. So I went to Ireland and England, um, for almost two weeks and is fascinating going mm-hmm. there. Um, the, the history, I, I didn't realize that our American history is just so new and mm-hmm. <laughs> like short, like 1776 is like, you go there and it's, oh my gosh, this goes way back. Um, mm-hmm. but there's churches everywhere and there's been war everywhere. And these yeah. big, massive churches definitely have a lot of masculine energy and, um, and it's just, they're beautiful, but it also feels fraught with just a lot of power and control. Um, And, and that's the Protestant churches and the Catholic churches. um, And and so then um, it just felt a little bit icky to me of like, wow, these are churches, but it's so political and it's so just toxic patriarchy everywhere. Um, And so then I got home and I went to, my my women's retreat that I run with my brother Tyler, and um, there's about 40 women there. And Valerie, this this is what really concerns me. Um, when I so we talk a lot about God, we talk a lot about connecting to God, and when I bring up the divine feminine, it gets awkward. Mm. It's almost as if their eyes glaze over. And these are women. These are women. Their eyes glaze over. It's uncomfortable. He shouldn't be talking about that. I don't want to go there. Um, and these these are women that I'm talking to. And I just want to bust open, Valerie. I just want to like talk about her and the divine feminine and the, the spiritual experiences that I've had with God have been just as or more powerful with the divine feminine mm-hmm. as they have been with the Heavenly Father. And to me, it's so in my soul and it's so there and I've been so loved and gotten so much from that relationship with her um, that I want them to have it too. I want to talk about it, but it just gets cut off, right? It's heartbreaking. What you're describing is bringing up in me like my body is feeling sad. Um, And part of the reason, well, boy, what you're describing, I think, in these women who are uncomfortable with this this idea is that they have been socialized 
to feel distant from and estranged from their divine feminine. And even recently, they have been formally instructed to not be seeking deeper connection with and relationship with the feminine side of God. Yes. And that to me is no more and no less than patriarchy feeling threatened by the reality of a divine feminine, but also at the same time demonstrating through their shushing of the prospect of a divine feminine, the very dangers and corrosive nature of patriarchy itself. Yes. Meaning that yes. we, uh, yes, we, we have in our theology um, a somewhat progressive understanding of a feminine divine that you won't find oftentimes in other true. Uh, Protestant and evangelical churches. Um, even even in the Catholic Church, while they have good uh, psychology around the love of Mary, it's you know right. we all know that Mary is not well. I guess it depends on your the Catholic tradition, which I won't go into. But the point there being that we have a theology that supports a divine feminine, but we have in essence silenced her just the way, and it's it's perfect. It's perfect. It's like yes, she's there, but she has no voice. Kind of the way we all feel in sacrament meeting. <laughs> We're right. all there as women. But we actually don't have much of a voice. We can be invited to speak. We can't. Isn't that interesting? And, and so there's a direct parallel between how the patriarchy both allows the woman to exist, hear us as daughters of God, but also they have now co-opted the voice um, of, the, of Mother God, and they've asked us all to be silenced, that we, we exist, but we only exist in the service of doing just as much or just as little as the patriarchy says we can. And I, it is my belief that our Father God weeps I, I agree. at that. I agree. And, and I, know, I know to some they might be thinking, they might be saying, no, it's out of respect that she is not talked about. Um, that, that's why we don't go there. And if you look, if you actually have the courage to look, you can see that the, the patriarchy is 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 maintaining some control and of one of the one of the most threatening things to the control of the patriarchy is the fem the divine feminine and and so an easy way to do it is like no no we just don't want to talk about her we're, we're respecting this well right. and, and i mean take that little step further brandon we don't want to pray to her out of respect mm -hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> i mean like what is that all about <laughs> I, if, yeah. if we want to be in relationship with deity we, we ponder, we speak about them, we speak to them, we learn about them, um, we seek revelation about them. Yep. And, um, and there's nothing more profoundly respectful than desiring to be in relationship with someone and then seeking after them. Right. But to be, to be told or instructed that we shouldn't strive for relationship with a feminine divine that we have also been told exists is is simply madness. Out of respect, we shut her out. So <laughs> my my daughter, I got to tell you this story. You'll love this story, Valerie. Yeah. My daughter was in seminary, and the seminary teacher said, "Ask me anything." This is an ask me anything session. And another student said, "How can we never talk about Heavenly Mother?" And he said, he gave the the answer out of respect, blah blah. And my daughter raised her hand and said, "Wait, so you tell me out of respect, we hide her in a closet?" <laughs> you know? Yeah, and and it's like my daughter can see it. Like no, like that that answer is not working. Um, 
there is a reason that we 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 are caught up in some toxic patriarchy and valerie the men and the women in the church both need to start to be open to this or it's not going to really really shift and the, uh, I, I hate to say this, but the women perpetuate it as much as the men do, the, the toxic patriarchy. Right. Um, and, and it's not until uh, all of us, the men and the women, start to talk more openly and start to invite this divine femininity in more that it's, it's I think it is shifting very, 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 very slowly. I th- um, yeah, yeah I, th- I think you're right in that the the reform always happens at the grassroots it, it moves from uh-huh. the bottom up and so for us to be able to both understand how we got here and i really think that's important which is no this is not um a a, a faith specific problem this is not an lds no problem this is a worldwide problem that's been going on for thousands of years. We come and by this honestly. Yes, we came mm-hmm. by this honestly. Um, our church was founded in a heavily patriarchal period of time. You know, it was yes. patriarchal. It's patriarchal now. It was probably it was more patriarchal then. Women had way fewer rights than they even do now, and so world history moves at a very slow pace. And so to understand that we come by this honestly and also that grassroots is the only way to heal our relationship with um, an invisible female God, the only way we can, I think, um, evoke change, even if it's slower than we desire, is to be willing to have the very kinds of conversations that you and I are having, which are both respectful but also direct in saying there's something profoundly off about this theology that it is only an old white man. And 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 to be able to integrate that into the way we talk, the way we worship, uh, the way we self-experience God, that we are um, children of feminine and masculine divines. And I think, and I think too, I I frequently am thinking to myself, why is there so much fear? What is going on here at like sort of a corporate church or an institutional level and why is this so threatening to them and Mm -hmm. to me i see it as a slippery slope i see it as a slippery slope in the right direction but what i wonder is if we start acknowledging the feminine divine then what we do is we eventually have to inevitably recognize that a feminine divine who is God holds God's power. What is God's power called? God's power is called priesthood. Yes. If God's power that is priesthood is is part of what Care, it means. Careful where you're going, Valerie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You see where I'm headed. If yeah. a feminine divine holds priesthood, then why don't her daughters hold priesthood? Yeah. And all of a sudden we have to manage and deal with the very vulnerable reality that our church as well as other churches have had to catch up with truth which is that women have been uh we've been marginalized and we would have to acknowledge that women should be holders of well women are always and have been and still are holders of god's power but it's there's a it has been institutionally taken from us and so it's a slippery slope, meaning that if we really want to get honest with ourselves and if we really want to acknowledge and address that god is not only masculine, but that they are feminine and masculine, then we have to start really addressing church policy and church doctrine that has um, 
up to this point um, marginalized uh, a huge population of people. And that's so I get it. It's scary. I mean, it's got to be addressed. And I think those of us who are willing to use our voices and say what you and I are talking about are profoundly important to this movement. But I understand why the implications of keeping God masculine and being pretty you know, direct about it, I see why they do that. I see the fear. I see the concern um, to, to kind of uphold the system as it is and not allow this reform. I see why they do it. Yeah. So, you know, to to me, Valerie, it usually comes down to three things. Um, when the, mm-hmm. when there's a threat, it comes down to power, sex, and money. Um, usually, is or is wow. what's what's being protected. And I don't know exactly, you know, how that's happening here, but um, I do think, like, when we talk about how things trickle down, um, you know, I, when I talk to couples and and I talk about their sex life. Um, it's very, it's very, uh, can be very toxic, patriarchal in many yeah. ways, and we won't get too into that. But it's, look, I, ha- I like my needs need to be met. Yeah. Um, you know, I have certain expectations. You are there for my use. You are so yeah. li- like all of those things, and somehow it's okay um, in our cultures and in our systems to have that type of sexual relationship in a marriage, which is crazy, which is unhealthy, which is not okay. Um, but, it's it's not yeah. and 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 while it's invisible and pervasive, it's so hard to root out, right? And I think that's yes. the big that's the big problem. And I think that's what you and I start. That's what we deal with on the ground with our clients and with our couples, um, right. and in individuals is uh, so so much of what people are suffering from. They would never in a million years guess that they are victims of uh, a, pa- a socialized patriarchy and how right. it's playing out in very, very subtle and insidious ways. And that once they understand the nature of some of these things that are completely and utterly invisible to them, they might be able to reframe the way they relate to themselves and to others, at least in their own lives and in their own relationships, even if institutions around them are lagging. Absolutely. Well, yeah. and and I'll take it a step further to if um if we if if the divine feminine came forth in all of her glory um then the the masculine and the the whole would be better. Everything would oh, be better. Sure. So we're th- we're threatened by things, but if this all came forth, we would all be better off. Um oh, 100%. So yeah, you- yeah, you're totally right because I mean there there's there's no true growth in a relationship where there's power over. Right. We can have partnership with or we can have power over and this is true of church, this is true of marriage, this is true of any relationship that when two people are truly able to meet as equals amazing beautiful godlike things can unfold and quickly. But when there is a power over dynamic things cannot thrive in no, systems like that. No, there's not safety there for right. for it to thrive. Um, all right, Valerie, we got 10 minutes and we totally can't break this down in 10 minutes, but I'm going to throw it out there. <laughs> ready? So is God, so is God white with a white robe on? Um, <laughs> what do you think? Uh, are you, are you, okay. Is that a, that's like an actual question? <laughs> kind, of, kind of. Okay. So the way I like to think about that is uh, one of the problems that I think we tend to have is we 
we feel, especially in this tradition, uh, we like to feel like we know a lot of things <laughs> and that right. we have certainty and truth you know, in our back pocket. And so to me, the way I really like to think about God is there are certain things I, um, I, there, there's the, the nature of God that I feel confident about. And then there is so much that I don't know. And I prefer to live in the mystery of, I don't know what God is or who God is, or I, whether there are multiple, like, is there a heavenly mother and a heavenly father? Is there some sort of a God that is both masculine and feminine? I don't, I don't, I don't pretend to know those things. But one thing I will say is that we create God in the image of ourselves. And so right. a world that has been governed by and where most of the power falls at the feet of white men is, of course, going to create a white male God. God. Now, I can't speak for the white robe. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it's certain to me that God is a white male in as much as powerful men are white males. If, right. if the world were different and, you know, the power fell in the hands of women, then God would probably be a woman. Right. But, so that's how I, I guess that's how I would answer that question. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And mm-hmm. there's a there's a kind of a paradoxical nature to worshiping God, I believe, that when when you are uncertain of what God is, then you can understand and connect to God more. Um, and do you see the paradox there? Yeah. Um, yeah. to, to actual God more, mm-hmm. I think. And you can search and you try to figure things out about God. Um, but in that searching, um, if you ever try to get to a place of certainty, just complete certainty, you've lost God, God has disappeared. You, yeah. Because faith is gone. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what I see with, you know, I I agree with you that the white male came from the people who made up God, who had the power. Yeah. Um. But it also the the trickle down effect to this is, um, really some some racism of for sure. You know, like any any color or any blemish or anything like that is a problem. Um. It's dirty. It's sin. It's wrong. It's not okay. You're right. Um, it's sexism right. multiplied by racism. Right there. Yes. Right there, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and God might not be white, and God right. might be wearing a robe with all kinds of colors <laughs> that are just crazy, and <laughs> and and God maybe is really fun with a sense of humor and just really easy to connect to. There are so many possibilities that I don't think we've been that open to because we have drilled God down into this specific thing, and if the specific thing amplifies sexism and racism, that's not God to me. No. And I think I would also say that one one thing that I notice is that once again, because we are working in these wounded mortal minds and bodies with our experiences, oftentimes creating constructs about things we can't know, frequently people have an experience of God that is similar to, say, for example, the experience of their own father, meaning that they superimpose what they do know and what they have felt and experienced onto their higher power. Uh, And so therefore, I think it's just really important for us to recognize that we are all, our our ideas and understanding of God is is the outcome of a constellation of experiences, teachings, doctrines, culture, racism, sexism. Yes. All sorts of, patterning that we have been handed and it has been handed down to us 
for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And that some of those constructs are uh, may work for us and we may feel uh, lovable and we may feel that connection. But oftentimes I also feel like those kinds of things do us no favors in our being able to truly worship that God. And the interesting thing is we don't necessarily know what they or he or she, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we who they are, right? In, in terms of what they, how they look, how they behave, what, what is it going to be like in the next life? And I think the more we're able to recognize, I, I don't know those things, but I want to be more in connection with the nature of God. Yes. Which really, we can actually distill down to one thing, which is I was created or co-created with someone that loves me. And that is interested in my growth and development and is infinitely loving of me no matter what I do. And throw all of the constructs that bring up fear and prejudice and bigotry and sexism and homophobia and all of those things out the window because that is not God. That is us. We have done that to God. Right. I think, Valerie, if if we... It's scary to take all the constructs away and, you know, it could really cause an existential crisis of now what? And, and, and Mm -hmm. here's the answer to that. If, if you, if you take it all away, all the constructs that were given to you from somewhere, from generations, if you take it all away and you don't know what God is, that's perfect Mm -hmm. because now seek God, figure it out, connect, Mm -hmm. Um, feel God, whatever whatever God is, and and you'll know God on another level because you're open. You're open to it all, um, and so I think that I think that's kind of what we want you to do here yes. is practice that real faith and that real connection. Well, may may I say something just really quick um, to tag onto that, Brandon? I think so much of what people suffer from in in and around religious trauma is they have been handed an idea and a version of God that is destructive to them. And they have a really hard time letting go of that God because they think that is God, even though it's like, no, 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 that is a construct of God that has hurt you. And yet so, they, yet they worship yes. that God. They don't exactly. let go of that God. Yeah. <laughs> Not recognizing that that isn't God. That is what your yes. mind has constructed as God, and it's not who God is, but it's what has been handed to you, which is why it feels like we always circle ourselves back and around to, at the end of the day, around personal authority and this idea that I do, in fact, get to construct my own relationship with a God that is comfortable to me. And even yes. if we want to enrobe and embody this God as whomever is feels good to us, I remember there was a, was it the shack that there was a movie where- uh-huh. God was an, uh, an elderly black woman because yeah. that was safe to the particular person in that from, from their perspective. And whoever God ends up being at the end of the day, do you think that entity is threatened by our creating God in some way that we can worship that helps us feel loved, known, seen, and cherished? Yep. Uh, yeah. We show that movie at the women's retreat. And mm-hmm. and um, I know people who who hated that movie even with all of its beauty and goodness and truth in it, just because God was a black woman. And that's blasphemy. Mm. 
mm-hmm. is what they believed. And so how it's could ru- they how could they even watch that? Because that's blasphemous. It's ruining <laughs> their construct. They're white, they're their their white con- man. Their the white constant. male construct of God. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah. hmm. Val- Valerie, th- this has been a lot of fun. Um, I do want you to talk about um, the program that you just released and what that is before we oh, wrap yeah. up. Thank you. Yes. So I just released uh, my first of hopefully many courses called A Couple's Guide to LDS Faith Crisis and Expansion. And the idea here is because of my my podcast, Latter-day Struggles, I have been inundated with individuals in faith expansion. And many of these are married to partners who are still very traditional in their beliefs. And they're really, really struggling. And some of their marriages are in danger. And so The whole course is intended either for an individual in faith expansion to know how better to understand their more traditional partner or for both partners to walk into a space where, interestingly, a lot of what I encourage is not the first several hours of the course. We don't even talk about faith crisis or faith expansion. We actually, I'm really building a foundation to help partners learn how to talk about hard things. Excellent. Yes. Yes. So... Yeah, I, th- I think that would be good for any individual and any couple, just learning how to navigate um, spirituality and relationships. So where do they find it, Valerie? Yeah, you can find it on latterdaystruggles.com. And on that website, you can get into one of my um, online live synchronous uh, support groups. You can get one of the courses. Well, there's one now and there's going to be more down the road. And so just jump onto latterdaystruggles.com and you can get it there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Valerie. And thank you all for listening. If this was helpful, please share it and please leave a rating and a a review. We'll see you guys later.